What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Push the Tempo podcast. It's your boy, Ari, here, and I'm with my guy, Kyle. So Christmas Day happened, and let's be honest, the games weren't really the best. They weren't good at all. They were all blowouts. Um, with that being said, today we're going to be going over some of the games that happened since that day and our first impressions on the season. So Kyle, my guy, let me hear your thoughts on Christmas Day. Um, I mean, you'd have to, I'd have to like go in and like do further research, but in terms of like the basketball that was played, this might have been one of the worst Christmas days in recent memory. Uh, the lowest margin of defeat from Christmas Day was two game Pelicans Heat and Clippers Nuggets. Uh, 13 points was the lowest margin of victory. And then the Warriors got blown out by 39. The Nets blew out the Celtics and then the Mavs got blown out by the Lakers. The most interesting thing that happened on that day was Kawhi getting elbowed in the face and, you know, bleeding from the mouth. But other than that, it was a pretty uneventful day. What did you think? Yeah, honestly, I started at 12 or 12 Eastern time, watched that first game as the Pelicans came off to a hot start. And I was like, you know what, this is going to be a great day just full of basketball. And then before I knew it, that game was over by the second half. Then we moved on to the next game. Same thing. And the Nets and Celtics game, I was pretty interested in that. And same thing, another blowout. And it was just pretty much blowout after blowout throughout the whole entire day. And, you know, I was – when the schedule for Christmas Day came out, I wasn't really too excited. I wasn't really that high up on it. I thought they could do a little bit better. But they came out with the season openers, and I was pretty happy. So, I was like, it is what it is. But all the games were really blowouts, and it wasn't the best Christmas Day because of that. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't really mind the Mavericks-Lakers matchup. I thought that would have been good. Um, I thought Clippers and Nuggets was a good matchup. Um, I would have rather seen the Celtics play the Heat, uh, the Nets play the Bucks, and then the Pelicans play the Warriors. Uh, you got the Pelicans and Warriors, too. Like un- I shouldn't say unproven because, I mean, the Warriors got Steph, but they're, like, kind of middling teams. And then you got the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals rematch between Miami and the, the Celtics, and then you got – Kevin Durant versus Giannis, which would have been sick. Uh, the Nets and Celtics game was, it was, I don't remember, I, I'm not remembering correctly, but I remember Kevin Durant came in during the third quarter and just lit the Celtics up. Yeah, um, yeah he was he was really good in that game. He's, he's looked really good since he's coming back. Um, the Bucks killed the Warriors, and it's kind of what you would expect. Uh, Steph couldn't really get flow going because he just demanded so much attention. Drew Holiday was like stuck to him like white on rice, like he was making life difficult for him. Chris Middleton was really good in that game. And yet uh, most of these major outlets like ESPN and SportsCenter were only posting Steph highlights in a 40 point blowout about what you'd expect. But I wish the games were a little bit closer. That's just really all I got to say about that day. Yeah. The thing that really stood out to me about that day was in that Celtics and this matchup. One thing that stood out was, man, dude, Katie is back, bro. And it's, I mean, as a team that's in the East, I'm I'm a Celtics fan, so it kind of like it's like oh shoot, you know, it's kind of scary. But I can definitely see the Nets being the best team in the East right now. They're they're performing at a super high level. I mean, it kind of sucks that Spencer Dinwiddie got hurt, but that team is just insane right now. I feel like no one can stop them, even though they lost two games. But you know, you know what I mean. Hey man, in terms of predictions, uh, what was your what was your um, your score for Christmas Day? I went I went five for five that day. <laughs> I was there five games or six games I can't remember it was five five games I think I got two right uh, I got the Clippers winning and I got um the Warriors losing so those are the two I got right everything else I got wrong <laughs> so hey, much man, for, the, did, prediction for the 
we did it for the sake of arguments. That's cool. Yeah, That's, yeah, we moving sure. on. Simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes us tied now, huh? Yeah. Um, the next the next thing that we want to talk about then I guess is uh the Cavaliers. Um they're are they're off to a three oh start, I believe. Am I yep. am I right saying three that? and yeah. uh Darius Garland and Colin Saxon haven't balled out. They beat the Hornets, they beat the Pistons, uh, a game we'll talk about in a little bit, and then they beat the was it the seventy sixers? They blew out the seventy sixers in a game that Joel Embiid didn't play. Uh what were your thoughts about the just the Cavs in general so far? Um, coming into the season, and if you guys watched our last podcast, you know that I had Colin Sexton coming in as the most improved player, and he has not proved me wrong at all. This man is a monster on the offensive end, and I really like his intensity that he plays with. And I always thought that, because I never really watched Cav games, I'm going to be honest, I always thought that having Garland and Sexton, two pretty much undersized guards playing together, that would be a terrible thing. But they've proven to kind of complement each other. You can tell Garland's a playmaker, and Sexton's a scorer, and it's just been working out. I mean, you can see it. They've been 3-0. Regardless, they haven't versed the best teams, but at the same time, you know, they're playing really well together. They're both scoring above 20 points. They're both playing super well, and they're winning. And on top of that, one thing that really shocked me was one of my friends hit me up. He's a Cavs fan. He told me, yo, did you know that the Cavs are second in defensive efficiency this year? And I mean, I know it's a three-game sample size, but it's just kind of insane to see that the Cavaliers, this team that everyone doesn't even care about, they're one of the two or three undefeated teams left in the NBA right now. Yeah, um, I, I thought last year it wasn't really fair to judge Darius Garland too hard. He did struggle last year, but you got to remember that in college he got hurt. I think he only played like four or five games in college, and then he went straight from that from that long absence to playing in the NBA. He was was he the, he was the fifth pick right in the in his draft. So um, you you take him having been off for so long and being an undersized player and you put him in the NBA where they're not only superior players, but they're superior, superior athletes. Uh, there's going to be an adjustment period. And he looks like he's adjusted. Uh, he's, as, as you said, him and Colin Sexton are playing very well. Isaac Okoro has been pretty solid for them. Larry Nance Jr. is playing solid defense as well. Uh, Andre Drummond's putting up numbers. He's always done that, but now he, they're winning. Uh, Again, small sample size. But that Cavs and Pistons game, um, man, I was watching that game. Jeremy Grant was doing pretty well in that game. He put up a solid line. But, man, that was a choke job at the end by the Pistons. Uh, Derrick Rose, everybody loves Derrick Rose, and I love him too. But he very much struggled at the end of that game. Uh, the Pistons had a lot of chances to win it. And I think the only player that scored in their overtime, their double overtime, was like DeLon Wright. And they just ended up giving that one to the Cavs. What did you think? I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't watch that game, to be honest. Um, I just went through some highlights because I didn't really have the Cavs on my radar. And this wasn't really one of the most interesting matchups, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was going to be two bottom feeder teams versus each other. But I really do like that the Cavs are putting on a show and they're definitely going to be on my radar now. Um, one dude that I really like on the Cavs is uh, Jetty Osmond. He is... I, every single year I've been saying, yo, he's a dark horse, most improved player. But this year, he's actually been playing really well off the bench. So that's definitely something that I'm looking at. Um, and another team, you know, I was just looking at it right now. Dude, another team that, that's undefeated is actually the Magic. Do you have any thoughts on the Magic? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm really happy for Markel Fultz. Uh, he started off his career in Philadelphia. He was the number one overall pick. He, 
he came in and had very high expectations set on his shoulders and then he got hurt and then he struggled with some mental problems some like some um some of those uh like some of that pressure started getting to him and this year he's really putting on a show uh he's averaging almost 21 points he's averaging almost four rebounds and four point almost and almost four and a half assists a game uh sure he's turning the ball over almost three times but i mean hey this is I'm just very happy that he's found solid footing and a lot of people who were writing him off as a bust uh, just weren't taken into account like the pressure that was put on his shoulders from day one and the fact that he, he got hurt. Uh, sure, this three-point jump shot could still use some uh, could still use some some tweaking and some refining, but hey, I mean, I'm just happy he's playing well. So yeah, that's, that's my take on the Magic. Plus, they played the Wizards twice and the Wizards aren't very good yet. That's true. Um, my take on the Magic and Honestly, so all of us from the East Coast Brown podcast, none of us had the magic making it to the playoffs. But, you know, they've always been one of those middle-of-the-road teams that have just barely made the eighth seed or they just barely missed the playoffs. And with Jonathan Isaac out of um, out for the season and with Aaron Gordon being one of those most overrated players, I just didn't see them making the playoffs at all. Um, they're definitely proven that they can win games. I mean, Vucevic is one of those guys that just he he's a monster and he's always gone like under like under the radar. He's one of those players that can put up monster numbers, has a consistent play style, and just can it can kind of translate to winning basketball. But it's one of the most boring players to watch, to be honest. But yeah, that that's my take on the Magic. I mean, they might slide in for that eight seed the way they're playing right now. But like you said, small sample size. They played the Wizards twice, and we all know Westbrook doesn't put up like he puts up numbers, but he doesn't put up winning basketball. So you know what I mean. Even A. Smith, he said Markel Fultz is the biggest bust in NBA history. It's like, dude, he said that. He said that in like 2018. Um, like, dude, you got to give him time. Like, it's his first and second year in the league. You know what I mean? He he's dealt with injuries so you haven't seen him like similar to Darius Garland like you got to give them not only time to adjust to the NBA but also find their niche uh, their is a niche or niche I don't know um you gotta you gotta let them find their their um comfortable their comfort space and let them actually play in that system like bro Anthony Bennett's easily the biggest bust in NBA history like you can't just write off a player like a season into his career a season and a half you got to give him time but I'm yeah you're definitely right I'm just very hard, happy for Markel right now yeah, no, definitely, man. Um, it, it, the amount of mental fortitude that it takes to be being labeled like the biggest bus, having that injury, and then getting traded to a team that I don't, I'm not sure that they were really high up on him at first, but getting that starting position and just playing your heart out and doing what he has done, that's pretty impressive. And I'm going to give him props for that. You got to remember, Philly traded him for basically nothing. They got back like Jonathan Simmons and I think like another piece and those guys did nothing for them in that playoff series, in that playoff run where they end eventually lost to the Raptors in seven. And then I don't even think Jonathan Isaac was on their team last year. So they basically gave him up for nothing because they brought in Jimmy Butler that year. And then they basically went right into win now mode. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, another team, yo. Man, all right, this is probably the most under-the-radar team in my opinion. Dude, have you have you been watching the Pacers, yo? Like, I mean, I I don't think they're like a championship contender team, but they've been winning games, especially the player the um player of the week for the East, Demontis Sabonis. Yo, he's been going off, man. 
Yeah, Sabonis has been playing really well. I, I unfortunately have not been able to catch any pace games as of late. How could you could you elaborate a little bit on how they've been doing? Um, well, so they're three zero. Um, so they recently played the Celtics, and they or Sabonis got a game winner on the Celtics. Um, so this is something that Scalabrini said in the game he was commentating, and he was saying that you know Sabonis and Turner they look a lot faster. And ever since he said that, I've been kind of watching both of them. They look so quick, and they're super fast off their feet, especially Sabonis. I mean, this guy he was an All Star last season, and he's always been one of those players that's been consistent, very low key, kind of like Vucevic, the same type of aspect. Like they have kind of a boring game, but. They put up numbers and translates to winning basketball at certain times. But he has just been a monster, and no one's really talking about it. I mean, that team has also has TJ Warren, who was basically the bubble MVP. They have Victor Oladipo, and yeah, he's hurt, but he's still a player that has potential to be an all-star level player. And they've got a really steady point guard in Malcolm Brogdon. So that team, that team definitely has some potential. Um championship aspirations maybe probably not but that dude Sabonis he's definitely a player that's going to be a great player in his career I think I did catch the end of that Celtics and Pacers game was that the game that I know Sabonis hit like the the lead taking layup or whatever was that the game that Tatum at the end of the at the end of the game just like dribbled nonchalantly yeah. just did like a very deep step back three for no reason mm-hmm. was that After that, game? that yep yeah um yeah, no, you're definitely right. Sabonis and Turner, uh, there's always been that the question of their fit. Um, they did fire Nate McMillan in the offseason and brought in a guy whose name I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce. He's it looks like he's definitely working wonders for them. I've always I've always liked the Oladipo, the idea of the Oladipo and Malcolm Brogs in backcourt. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, they're both good defenders. Uh, Oladipo's not a great catch and shoot player, but he's a guy who's very athletic, who can attack the rim. And then Malcolm Brogdon is, I think Malcolm Brogdon is underrated. He's really good. He's a great passer. He's a great shooter. Uh, the Bucks really missed him last year uh, when Eric Bledsoe shit the bed in the playoffs for like the second straight year. Um, but the only problem with them is they've never both been healthy at the same time. But yeah, no, you're definitely right. Sabonis has been balling out and he might be one of the most underrated players in the league right now. Like nobody talks about that guy. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, he's so good in the short pick and roll. I mean, he can pop it. He can take it to the rim. He's not a bad defender. He's a great rebounder, like definitely a great player. So, yeah. you know, we've been talking about some teams that have been, I guess you can say, overperforming or surprising us. Do you want to talk about some teams that have been pretty trash or off to a slow start? Yeah, let's talk about it. Which ones are you thinking about? Um, well, so the ones that really stick out to me, um, so the Bucks, I believe they're one and two. Um, the Warriors – Honestly, a lot of people can say they saw it coming. I know you weren't really high on the Warriors. I had them yep. making the playoffs at one of the six or seven seasons, something like that. But they've been off to a pretty bad start. Which one do you want to talk about? Let's go with the Warriors. Um, what do you what do you think about how they're doing so far? It's tough because I mean, they probably came into the season, they probably had a lot of different things that had to do with Clay Thompson and obviously he got injured. And then now Marquise Chris is hurt as well. And Draymond hasn't played a game yet, so it's pretty. It's probably tough for them. Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre haven't been performing at all, so they're basically non-existent at this point. And really, it's just a Steph Curry show, and there's only so much that a uh, point guard can do in this league, you know what I mean? Even if he drops like 30, 30, 40, 50 a night, it's not going to make them win any games, you know what I mean? It's crazy, it's crazy to think that um, 
currently Andrew Wiggins. Did you, did you expect the fact that Andrew Wiggins right now is playing better than Kelly Oubre? Um, I think on this season, I don't think Kelly Oubre has hit a three yet. Uh, yeah, let me let me look at the numbers. Yeah, I saw I, – this could be totally <laughs> wrong, but I saw something that for all the shots he's taking that weren't dunks, he has missed every single one. And that's just insane, man. Yeah, um, no, he's – no, my bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I mean – it's something that's not going to happen every single game for the rest of the like the season, but it's probably just a slow start, a new system. Um, Steve Kerr, a lot of people think he's an amazing coach, but I don't really think he's the best coach, to be honest. See, I, I understand that you don't want to run Steph Curry into the ground, um, but this season you kind of – I don't, I don't want to say you kind of have to. And granted, it is only a three-game sample size. They beat the Chicago Bulls, and the Chicago Bulls are, like, awful defensively. Damian Lee ended up hitting the game winner, and that 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 shit was cash. That shit went right through the net. Um, and they did play two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, and the Bucks and the and the Nets, and they accordingly got blown out by both of those teams. Um, that being said, but you gotta you gotta really put the ball in Steph's hands and do something because uh, the the biggest component of the Steve Kerr Golden State dynasty was that when Steph was either on the ball. When he was on the ball, he was a threat. And when he was off the ball, he was a threat. And I think they're still trying to use him as that off-ball threat. But you can't really do that when nobody else in your starting lineup can hit a fucking three. And nobody can, like, offer the spacing or demand the attention. So Steph gets multiple bodies thrown at him. So I just think you gotta, you got to really put the ball in, his, in Steph's hands and just let him go from there. Because I think that's the only reason. And I, 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 you're right. I was down on the Warriors this year. And I'm still, I'm still not changing that prediction. I think they... Uh, at most, will make the play-in tournament, but I, I think they're probably gonna miss it the playoffs if they don't if they don't fix some shit. Yeah, I mean it's tough just having that one guy trying to go off. Hopefully, when Draymond comes back, maybe he'll put some more playmaking in, some more defense, because the Warriors have not been able to defend anybody. I mean, like, you wanna, they... you wanna hear the number real quick? Kelly Oubre yeah. is shooting over seventeen from three so far. Yeesh, man. He's lucky. He's lucky the dude. It's a good look, and because right now he's playing like dog shit. <laughs> man, that's tough. Yo, have have you been paying attention with the Bucks? Keeping up with them? Uh, not as much. Uh, I know that they lost to opening night to the Celtics on that crazy Jason Tatum game winner. I know they just uh, got blown out by the Knicks, which. Would have been more crazy had not almost every single contender or not saying contender, but every single better team lost to their competition for the most part that day. And then I'm not sure. What was the other game that they played? Um, It was against Golden State. Oh, they Christmas played against State. the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors. So they blew out. Yeah. No, what, what are you thinking about the Bucks? I know Chris Middleton is playing really well right now. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, dude, Chris Middleton, is he's a monster, bro. Like, he's like, oh, shoot, man. I, I sucked last year. I mean, he did show up in the playoffs, but he's like, you know what? This is different, yo. I, and I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like having Drew Holiday and having another offensive option, like, he, Middleton's the type of player that kind of can overpower and do really well when there's two other players that are good on his team so that he's like kind of the third option Mm -hmm. and it's kind of it's kind of similar to like if you think about for example football right when you have a wide receiver one the wide receiver two for the most part does really well so it kind of reminds me of that at least on the offensive end when Middleton has Giannis and Drew Holiday on the court he he puts up huge numbers on the offensive end right it's yeah you're definitely making a good point when you like 
compared to football. Like, think of this as an example. And I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, try to paint myself as a football fan. I'm, I follow it casually, and I don't really know most of the teams. But when the Steelers had Antonio Brown and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was really playing well because Antonio would take a lot of that pressure off of him. Um, and now that they don't have a guy of that caliber anymore, uh, you've seen this year Juju has kind of struggled and he got fucking rocked in that Bengals game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he got hit, bro. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. But trucked. Um, but, yeah, no, Chris Middleton has been really good this year. Uh, the point that you made about him not being, like, a second guy um, – but he can be a great third option. Like, you're seeing it this year. Uh, he's been balling out and doing his thing. Uh, the Bucks, uh, I think that they kind of lowered their – I don't. I shouldn't even say lowered the regular season ceiling because they have Giannis, and it's shown that you can – Giannis can just cheese his way to, like, a first seed. He's shown that the last two years. But I think they raised their playoff ceiling with their, their shorter rotation that they got better players in. So Mike Budenholzer can't play the bad players like play like a 10-man rotation and their five got a lot better with like holiday chris middleton Giannis. who's their who's their point guard is it no i'm sorry i'm drawing a blank right now uh it's brooke lopez and who's their fifth starter um divincenzo starts sometimes. yeah there you go yeah there you go i think that five is a very solid uh five in the in the playoffs yeah no one thing i noticed about the bucks is Giannis is attempting a lot more threes and He's not really hitting it. I'm looking at it right now. He's attempting about 5.3 threes per game, which is an insane amount for a dude that's shooting about 25%. And in the past seasons, the most he's ever shot is like 30%. So, I mean, I can tell he probably worked on that jumper all offseason, but it's not really translating. And it might be translating to losses, to be honest. I mean, I know when we he played the Celtics, he was like pulling up from three. And I think he did hit one or two from two of them that he pulled up on, but it's still something that we haven't seen success with Giannis. So that's something that's just kind of, I think it's hindering the, the Bucks uh, offense. You know what I mean? Honestly, man, I think, I think Giannis needs to stop trying to shoot all these threes. And I think what he needs to work on the most is his post game. No, no, no. His free throws. Man. And, no, no. Yeah, no, that was the second thing I was going to say, his free throws. Like he needs to play as a big now. Uh, you got, Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, both guys who can handle the ball. Uh, Drew Holiday can probably be your primary creator. Um, but Giannis needs to now work on his his post game, and when he gets doubled in the post, like get better at passing out. And he's a solid playmaker as well. I'm not saying that he's not, but they need to they need him to work on that and his free throw shooting because you can't be shooting like sub seven sub seventy percent and lower sixty five percent and lower when you're get into the free throw line like almost 10 12 times a game those are easy points that they're gonna end up coming back to bite you in the ass in those close games you know what I mean yeah yeah exactly and we all know that he missed that free throw in the Celtics game which could have potentially put them on top or at least had the game for overtime so that's definitely something that I'm paying attention to as a, a fan of a team in the east um dude have you been like the Utah Jazz, man, have you been, like, seeing them? Like, they've – honestly, okay, they have two wins, right? But I don't think they're as good as the their record indicates. You know what I mean? I mean, they lost they lost a game the against – I believe it was Timberwolves, which, like I said, it's not really the best team. And screw Rudy Gobert for hurting my boy Cat. That was <laughs> that was pretty deep, man. Hey, bro, Cat, Rudy Gobert was putting Cat in jail just, in that game, man. 
locking his ass up. Man, yeah, then he hurt him, bro. That's tough. But yeah, no, besides that, I mean, they just barely beat an OKC team, which is probably the only team in the West that you can say probably won't make the playoffs. So I feel like they're very limited to their ceiling. They're barely winning games against, um, oh, they lost to Minnesota and they barely won against OKC. So I just feel like, like Donovan Mitchell, it's pretty much, it's him and Rudy Gobert and everyone else is pretty kind of irrelevant on that team. And unless someone on that team steps up, then I don't really see them making the playoffs. And I've been saying this since day one, but I'm just keeping a close eye on them. And yeah. Yeah. So in that game yesterday, in that, that first game that they played against the Timberwolves, I believe the Timberwolves shot like a crazy percentage from three. And when, when the team shoots like that from three point range, it's very difficult to beat them. Uh, yesterday's game, I watched that game uh, versus the, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder through the first three quarters. Um, Dort, uh, Lugens Dort. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Had Donovan Mitchell in jail. Uh, he was locking him up, and he had a great offensive game as well. Dort did. In that fourth quarter, Mitchell kind of turned it up. He scored 12 points, shot five for nine. Uh, he missed all of his threes, but he still played very well. And I'm pretty sure he hit the game, the lead taking layup at the end of the game. Yeah, Which and that was awesome. a pretty – that was a difficult shot, too. He was coming yeah. against Dort, and he kind of just threw that in there, man. That was a nice shot. Man, I know a lot of people talk about Dort, but can we take a second to just acknowledge how good of a defensive Bro, player he is, man? He he's slowly becoming one of my favorite he's, players in the NBA, man. His defense is insane. He's, he's like – it's like he's quick-footed, so you can't blow by, uh, blow by him. And then he's also built like a tank, so you can't, like, body him. It's like – you got to pick your poison of what you're trying to do. Either way, he's going to give you trouble. You know what I mean? When you when you put a guy like that against James Harden and he gives James Harden fits and James Harden is one of the best scorers in the league, you know that this guy is something. He's legit. He's it's not just like a flash in the pan. He can he can do some damage. And he was awesome not only on defense in that game but also on offense. I think he I think he led the Thunder in scoring in that game, didn't he? He had like um, I'm sorry, one second. Yeah, he had 26 points on 9 of 11 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3. The biggest problem for him now is he just got to become a more consistent, at the very least, three-point shooter. If he does that, he'll be he'll be a guy that's going to be in rotations for a long time. Yeah, so, honestly, I, he, he reminds me of Marcus Smart. They have that same defensive capabilities. Um, they're both not exactly the most consistent three-point shooters, but they definitely have a very similar play style. But I'm pretty high on – uh, Lou Dort, and I'm just going to keep watching him. He's definitely a fun player to watch. Um, yeah. I'm going to be one of the most boring guys that watch basketball because I really like to watch the defensive end, but he's definitely a fun player to watch on defense. Yeah, and also uh, Boyan Bogdanovich was also pretty good in that game. I don't. Th- um, I think I think the Jazz will make the playoffs. Um, Rudy Gobert, sure, he might be limited somewhat on offense, but it can't be understated how great of a defender he is. He's the best protector in the league. Oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, nope. Who's, who's the best protector in the league? Uh, it's definitely not him. It definitely is him, bro. Look at Go look at the advantage. Well, he, he got help from Derek Favors. That's why. That's why I'm going to say that. Go look at the advantage. I guess so. They paint Rudy Gobert as like the most impactful defender in the league for like the last couple of years. Um, Man, he followed he followed Shea on that last drive. I'm gonna just say that yeah, much. Whatever. Uh, I I love Shea too. I hope he has a great year. But man, uh, I think they'll make the playoffs. They have a pretty solid, um, like seven or eight man rotation, uh, depending on what, um, what's his name, Derek Favors looks like from night to night. They can probably have like eight or nine guys deep. Uh, 
I I really like their starting five. Um, they have Gobert, they have Donovan Mitchell, they have Mike Conley. Royce O'Neal has been solidly playing pretty well for them as well, pretty solid. And Bogdanovich, I think, is underrated. Nobody talks about him, and he's a he's a sniper, and he's also a great offensive player. So I think I think they'll make the playoffs for sure. Um, just take another leap from Mitchell, and Mitchell's been quietly pretty solid this season as well. And I think they'll be right in the mix. All right, man. We'll have to see because, you know, uh, I'm pretty low on the jazz. I like Donovan Mitchell. I hate Rudy Gobert, but, you know, that's for, <laughs> that's for a different podcast. Um, we'll have to see it, man. This is nice because we finally have a difference in opinion and something. I mean, so that's one thing. We'll have to see. Dude, I know you really want to talk about this one game, and it's probably your favorite game after the Christmas Day, man. I know you want to talk about the Clippers and the Mavericks game. Come on, man. Man, I was so. Um, I don't know why this is, but I feel like teams always shoot like a crazy percentage and have their best three point shooting games versus the Clippers. Shake Milton fucking hung 40 on us last year. Uh, we got smoked by the Timberwolves right after they came off the trade deadline and they retooled their entire team last year. Um, this game was no different. Uh, Josh Richardson, I think Josh Richardson and what's his name? Luka Doncic outscored us themselves by by the end of the first quarter, and man, I turned I turned that game off after the first half. We were down by fucking fifty points. We got we got fifty piece in that game, man. Um, Luka is amazing. Uh, everyone on that team, and they were just they were just pouring it on, man. It was it was difficult because like they they were playing their starters. I mean, I mean, obviously you want to make sure the lead, but the lead is safe. But who the fuck's coming back from a like a a 50 point lead and we didn't we didn't have our best player as well um i i figured that dallas would win this game handily because we didn't have Kawhi, but i did not expect it to be a fucking 51 point def 51 point fucking blow game in which um that's the biggest loss in clippers franchise history which is surprising considering how fucking bad this team has been um patrick beverly is really concerning me with his play he's not doing anything and he's just fouling a shit ton um, really the only guy that was good in that game was like Serge Ibaka. Uh, Serge has been very, very good for the Clippers so far. He's been as advertised, if not better. Paul George tried doing a little bit and couldn't really get much going um, after the blazing hot start of the season. But I'm not, I'm not worried about it, man. Uh, if you, you can't have it both ways, in my opinion. You, you can't, you can't under, understate the Clippers beating the Lakers and then the Nuggets. Uh, both teams were in the Western Conference Finals last year and then overreact to them beating, getting fucking annihilated by the Mavs without having their best player. It's either they got very lucky versus the Lakers and the Nuggets, and then they got exposed versus Dallas for being a bad team, or they are actually a good team and they beat the Lakers and Nuggets in competitive games, which both those games weren't competitive because the Clippers, uh, Clippers were in control of both those games for the most part. And then they just had an off day against the Mavs. Um, you can't have it both ways. And I lean more towards the latter. I think the Clippers are a good team. I wouldn't pick them as my title favorites, but I think I think for the most part they'll be. I think they'll be fine. Because, dude, you know they shot like four of thirty-three from three yesterday. You know how well. You know how hard it is to be that bad instead of being accidentally good. Like it's. Yo, that's I what I was gonna say. Like I think. Sure. I don't want to say it's a one-time thing because it might happen maybe a couple more times within the season. But, you know, there's going to be nights where you come in and no one on the team can shoot and you just lose a game. It happens all the time. Um, 
I mean, 433 is pretty horrendous, but, you know, no one on that team could really get going. And when that happens, you know, you usually look to your bench. You look for guys like Lou Will um, to go off. But, I mean, he, Lou he had been invisible so far this year. Exactly, he, was solid. Yeah. he was solid in that game against the Lakers for stretches when the Clippers offense was struggling. But he's he's been awful this year. Um, and what's his name? Patrick Beverly has really been disappointing me, man. Um, he he hit a big shot against Denver in that game, but otherwise he's just been fouling way too much. He's been putting himself in unnecessary foul trouble, just like reaching for the ball and sliding forward and getting called for ticky-tack fouls, which he obviously earns because he keeps on fucking doing it. Um, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not tripping. Um, just one game. Dallas shot like a historic uh, percent or whatever from three. They had a I – mean, they're obviously a – a great fucking team. You know what the crazy part about that day was, though? Um, What's up? That, like, if you look at the numbers, for the most part, every team that was, like, like, if you had, if you had, uh, if we did predictions that day, I probably would have went, like, one for seven or some shit. I would have said that the Sixers would beat the Cavs. They lost. I would have said that the Nets would beat the Hornets. The Nets lost. Uh, the Mavericks, I, I would have said the Mavericks would win. Uh, they obviously did. I would have told you that the Knicks would get rolled by the Bucks. The Bucks got blown out. And the only team that really, that really didn't surprise us, the Lakers. They beat the shit out of the Timberwolves. So, like that was just a weird day in the NBA all around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's one more team we, uh, I want to talk about. You want to talk about the Blazers? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so the Blazers played. I think they've played. I believe it's two games so far, right? They've played against the Houston Rockets, and then they've played against the. Um, they played against the Lakers last night. Uh, so in that look, first game, um, CJ. They played three games. So they played Utah, Houston, and the Lakers. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, they played. They played Utah, and they they got blown out in that game. Since then, they've played the Rockets, and I watched that game. And hey, man, I I said Christian Wood would be the MIP this year. He is not letting me down so far. He's been awesome. Um, in that first game, I think he had thirty and ten, and then last night he was last. Last night he was pretty good as well. Um, see what like like I said before the season started that he's the most versatile offensive big man that Harden has played with so far. And then the two games that they have that I don't know I'm going on a tangent about the Rockets, um, but he's been he's been showing out. He had he can't defend anybody, but man can he score from like everywhere. Um, the Blazers, C.J. McCollum was awesome in that game. Uh, he was a flamethrower. I think he hit like a franchise record eight or nine threes in that game. And that game went to overtime. And I watched that game sad because I was playing against a guy who had James Harden in fantasy that week. And I got, and I just barely won because of how good Harden was. Um, and that, and that Lakers game yesterday, uh, Damian Lillard was pretty great in that game. I think he had like 31 points. See, I don't think the Lakers really try in games. And like, you can tell when they do try, they put much, uh, sorry, not much. They put Anthony Davis at the five and he can guard, anyone really um in that game he was kind of a ghost he didn't really he didn't really exploit his mismatches versus like Robert Covington and Covington's a good defender he's better as like a team defender as compared to like a defender individually and on the perimeter but Anthony Davis was kind of did nothing and I have him in fantasy which fucking sucks um he only had like 13 and 10 LeBron really played well in that fourth quarter Schroeder was awesome in that game um you want to hear something funny though um yeah go for it Marcus All was a plus four and plus minus is a, an iffy stat. I think it's it's a better indic- indictment of like big men than guards. But Marcus All was a plus fourteen in that game, and then Montrezl Harrell 
was a minus 20. And, like, at the end of that game, the Lakers were attacking him in the pick and roll. Um, Damian Lillard got uh, – he got by him and then got an and one over Schroeder at the end of that game. Uh, he showed too much on Damian Lillard trap and left Yuxus Nurkic wide open, who took it to the rim and scored over Anthony Davis. Um, see, man, they lost they lost a little bit of defense, but, like, they added – obviously, they added offensive pieces – Wesley Matthews hasn't really been good for them for the Lakers so far, but all in all, I think this is a promising start for the Blazers after that first loss. And hey, Derek Jones Jr., even though he didn't really hit a shot in that game, he had some he had some impressive defensive plays. Uh, he had this one block where he like jumped out of the gym and blocked LeBron. He had another one where he jumped out of the gym, pinned it on the backboard, but it was called a foul against Cantor. But he was really holding his own defensively. And Gary Trent Jr. was also awesome in that game. Do you have anything to say about Gary Trent? Oh, man, that's – like I said, I really like watching defense. And, like, that last series that the Blazers played against the Lakers, he was defending LeBron, which isn't easy to do at all. But he kind of held his own for the most part. I mean, yeah, LeBron probably dropped, like, 20 to 30 just off the top of my head. But on the offensive end, this dude is a monster. He's a prototypical 3 and D player that can – stretch the floor and shoot at a high efficiency and a high clip. And at the same time, defend a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent players on the other end as well. So pretty high on Gary uh, Trent Jr. And I like what he does. And I like his role on the Blazers. I think he had um, like seven threes in that game too. He yeah, was, seven threes, he was yeah. feeling it. I want to say one thing that I don't agree with. That's something that you said. So you said that the Lakers, um, they don't really try. And I kind of hate that narrative when people say, Oh, they lost because they didn't try. And I'm not trying to, like, say anything about you, but, like... No, man, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, no, like, I just don't like that narrative. I think the reason why they lost was not because they were trying to, like, lose or they weren't trying. It's just because of the minutes allocation. And, I mean, yeah, in the playoff, when they come, I mean, the minutes are going to be different. But, like, they gave Kuzma and Trez too much minutes, and that's probably why they lost. Um, And it makes sense why they'd want to do that. They want to preserve their starters as much as possible, especially players that could get injured easily like Anthony Davis and of course LeBron you don't want to get him injured or tired out but I think that's the reason why they lost and it's not because they weren't really trying I mean like who goes into a game unless you're a team that's tanking and just tries to lose the game even tanking teams don't try to lose games you know yeah, what I mean? no, their bench was atrocious last night I don't understand Kyle Kuzma eight of his nine field goal attempts were from three-point range which doesn't make any sense because he's not a great three-point shooter he's better he's at his best when he's attacking the rim because he has a he has some speed to him and he's a power he's like a power forward slash like like wing player and he can attack mismatches you know what I mean so it doesn't make sense for him to be shooting like almost all of his shots exclusively from the three-point line uh Montrez Harrell was fucking awful in that game defensively but we all know he's not a good defender um Wesley Matthews has really not done much for the Lakers after being heralded as like their Danny Green replacement yeah, um, I'm it's obviously honest a, Go ahead. You could tell the Lakers are missing Danny Green. He played really exceptional on that team. He fit in really well. And, I mean, I was a guy that said that Wes Matthews was going to kind of fit in that role. But they're kind of taking him off the bench. And KCP is now in the starting lineup. So, I feel like if they just kind of reverse the roles and had Wes and in the starting lineup and had uh, KCP coming off the bench, then maybe they'll have a little bit more bench. So, you know, depth, what, you know what, what I, mean? I would do is I would – push Schroeder off the bench I would start Matthews and then because because like remember last year their problem was that when what's his name uh when LeBron went to the bench when Rondo was struggling like they would uh they would 
their offense would tank. But you got Schroeder, who, by the way, was awesome yesterday. Uh, you can put him and Harrell in the pick and roll, and they're not going to be able to stop anybody. But at the same time, they can keep you at a – not like a points deficit, but they can keep you even keeled until your starters come back in the game. So, in my opinion, what their starting lineup should be is, like, it should be Wes Matthews, uh, KCP, two guys who are off guards, but LeBron has the ball in his hands and creates when he's on the floor for the most part. And which kind of interesting is he has kind of been taking a backseat and letting Schroeder do a lot of that. And then AD should be their four, and then Gasol should be their five. So, so that's my opinion. I think they should bring Schroeder off the bench and let him really just carry that second unit and create for the most part for them. See, no, I agree with you. I definitely think Schroeder would be way better off the bench um, than as a starting player. But I think his pitch or the Lakers pitch to him to get him to kind of stay with that team is for him to be – uh, a starter. I mean, that's something that he publicly said, like, yo, I played yeah. off the bench and I want to be a starter now. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think it's similar to like the Sergi Baca situation. Um, I was very surprised and only got like two years, 19. So I think one of the main things was uh, they told him that you'd, you'd start on the Clippers. So I think that's, I think that's def- that definitely could be the case. All right, guys. Um, I think that's going to conclude it for this episode. There's really not a lot of news to talk about for the most part, just, uh, in terms of like reports and such. Oh wait, uh, do you want to talk about the injuries that have happened recently, or do you want? Yeah, to just... yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about some of the injuries, notable notable injuries that have happened, and then we'll just end it for this episode. Um, so obviously, last night at the time of this recording, John Morant got a ankle injury, and prayers up to Ja. He's been balling out. I think his first two games, he got like forty points. It's just been insane, and he's only a second year player. So prayers up to Ja. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie got like a partially torn ACL, I believe. So he's out for the season now, and that's that's pretty sad. Cat um, dislocated his left wrist, I believe, and that was because of Rudy Gobert. And I'm not going to even say anything because you guys <laughs> all know how much I dislike Rudy Gobert and how much I think he's overrated. And that play was definitely not a basketball play. I'm going to say that. Um, so I believe that's all the players have been injured. And it kind of sucks to see these injuries. It's something that I don't want to see as a fan, but it's something that's going to happen, especially in this short off season, but something I'm definitely sad about, but it is what it is going forward. Um, hopefully these players can stay safe and everything will carry out and speedy recovery to the players that got injured. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, guys, with that, that's pretty much it for this episode. Appreciate y'all for listening. I'll catch you guys in the next.